as a launching place for our study. While you're turning there, let me welcome each one. We have guests with us today. We're glad to have you in our worship assembly, and we trust that you've already been edified and uplifted as we have sung and prayed together and communed together, and as we come together to study the Word of God for just a little while together. Well, oh, there is my clicker. I thought maybe I'd left it at class. Wonderful. We got to have that. Oh, we got to have the PowerPoint. You know, I'm reminded sometimes I get kind of uh, dependent on the PowerPoint. What D. Bowman said, he's not much on PowerPoint. And D. always says, this is my PowerPoint. <laughs> and there may be something good to say about that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning of verse 17, the Apostle Paul wrote, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. And then he says in verse 1, We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Now behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I want to camp on the expression in chapter 6 and verse 1 and think about the idea of being workers together with God. I appreciate Kyle leading this song in the, before the lesson about workers, and then when we finish, we're going to sing another song about workers. And as we're going to see in the study this morning, the Bible has a lot to say about us being workers. We talk a lot about terms like Christians and disciples and members. We talk about being a member of the church. And yet if we're not careful, we can look at such a thing as like membership in some kind of a club that we're members in name only and we don't do a lot. It is possible to be a member of some club and show up for meetings occasionally and not be much of a contributor or a worker in that particular organization. And they'll never kick you out as long as you pay your dues. You'll, you'll be in that club from now on. And I suppose, in a sense, that can almost be true of the Lord's church. It's a volunteer organization. It's a volunteer army, isn't it? You can't force people to do anything. We have to want to do it of our own free will and volition and yet this verse speaks to us about a unity in the body of christ as we join together and as we work together as workers with him so what does that mean as we think about not only our present makeup 
of shepherds and deacons and preachers and teachers, but we look down the road and we think about where this church family is going. What does it mean to be workers together with God? Well, let's take each one of those words and think about Let's think about the word workers just a little bit. And it is apparent to us that a team without workers is going to fail. Have you noticed that a lot of businesses today like to talk about their business as it's a team? And that we're a team, or they talk about their workers as associates. And the idea there is to try to create an atmosphere that we're all in this together. Now, now they're workers, and if the company or the business is going to be successful, every team member, every associate, every worker has to do their part. I read that uh, Jeff Bezos, the uh, founder of Amazon, made like a billion dollars the other way because Amazon's stock went up tremendously. And Norma said to me, we heard down news, she said, how is that possible? I said, he owns a lot of the stock. <laughs> That's how it's possible. And it went up like $14 a share. But you know what? He wouldn't be successful if it wasn't for the workers. I mean, when you order something from Amazon, and isn't it incredible now that you can order something that shows up the same day, I guess out of a Dallas warehouse somewhere, and it comes the same day, there are workers that get it there. And that someone, when I go online and order that, has to see that order, and then someone pulls it out of a warehouse, and someone packages it up, and they get it on a truck, and it gets to me. Or a drone or something, however it comes now, I don't know. But there's workers involved to get it there. And that's true in every phase of life. You know, that's true in, in, a, in, a, in sports. We're in the midst of basketball season, or it, it's the most wonderful time of year. If you think about the NCAA tournament coming, right, Chris? It's just an exciting time of year if you like basketball. But, you know, if you're going to be successful in that sport, you've got to work. And it's not just during the game. It's in practice and it's in the off season. I mean, even kids today that are in school find themselves, it's 12 months a year, right? Whether you're a soccer player or you're a runner or a football player. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into that. I read one time that Jack Nicholas, the great golfer, hit 2,000 golf balls a day. Can you imagine that? One of my favorite pro basketball players was Larry Bird. And Larry Bird shot 500 free throws a day in the offseason. That's why he was a career 90% plus free throw shooter. 500. Boys, you want to be a good basketball player? Shoot 500 free throws a day. You've got you to shoot them right, okay, but shoot them every day, 500 a day. And Bird would come out two hours before the game started and shoot. I mean, for most people, they already be tired before the game started, but he would practice. So it's true in every field. A team without workers is going to fail. As God's team, God has called us to work. Now, I want you to consider some of the biblical analogies that we see about workers. For instance, Jesus uses the parable of workers in the vineyard. And so in Matthew 21, he says, But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he goes through the parable there. But the parable is about work. My point is simply that in Jesus' analogy, in the parable of the vineyard, it was about people going into the vineyard to work. Or we have the idea, did you know we have construction workers in the Bible? Well, if you look at 1 Corinthians 3, 
Paul talks about being fellow workers. You're God's building. And then he said, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one of you take heed how he builds. And so here we have the metaphor, <clears throat> the idea of being a construction worker of building a building that we come back to worker. Or I've already alluded the idea of in the field of athletics. But the Bible speaks of that as well. First Corinthians nine about a runner that runs in a race and the runner competes or he uses the idea of a boxer that fights and the idea of discipline. All of this speaks to the exertion of a lot of effort. It speaks of the idea of work and not just the idea of fun or the idea of servants that work that do their master's will. In Mark chapter 13, Jesus talked about a man going into a far country that left his house and he gave authority to his servants and to each his work. Each servant had a job to do. They each had work. Or it could be compared to soldiers that go into warfare, soldiers that fight in a battle. And Paul would say, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life to which you were called and have confessed a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Also in 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4, he uses this same analogy about waging the warfare as a good soldier of Christ. And so all of these figures of speech speak of the idea that we're to be workers. And certainly we're commanded to work. Philippians 2.12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Or Titus 3 and 1, be ready to every good work. Or always abounding in the work of the Lord. Do we need more scriptures? I mean, is this sufficient to prove to us that we're to be workers? That's what the Bible says. Now, the question is, what can I do? Well, we all have a different work and role and responsibility. And so the shepherds have a specific work and deacons have a certain work and and teachers have a certain work. Preachers have a certain work, but we all have a work that we can do. And maybe sometimes we don't stop and think about that. We all have a place in the kingdom of God of work that we're able to do. How about writing notes of encouragement? Now, when we meet on Sunday nights in our different member care groups, we may take that for granted, but that's a good work. And that takes effort, and that's something that everyone can do that. Or how about using your phone to spread some goodwill and to call someone and to encourage someone? Or maybe someone that is sick that you go see how that you can help them. Or someone that has a physical need that you can provide for them. Or maybe you can brighten the day of someone that is shut in and go visit them. Maybe you have the ability to teach a class or, or maybe you can be a teacher's assistant and help one of the teachers in the class. Maybe you can set up a class for someone else to teach. Maybe that you can find someone in the congregation that is struggling, that is weak in the faith and you can receive and accept and help that person that they might get stronger. Or in Galatians 6, 1 and 2, that you can seek to restore the fallen and someone that's been overtaken in a fall. Maybe you can volunteer. Maybe there's something that the elders have announced, a, a work that needs to be done. And you're the one, so the elders, the deacons don't have to run around and enlist people that you just say, hey, look, here I am. Send me. 
I'm willing to work. I'm willing to help out. But you know something? Everybody can be an encourager. Everyone can look for a way to encourage. I mean, those are just a few things that I think of that we all can do. We all need to be workers. But the second part of this passage says that we are workers together. Now, you think of the analogies that we've already used from the Bible. What would happen in a construction crew if each worker did his own thing? Irregardless of what the other worker's job was. Well, if you know anything, y'all, just by observation about construction, then each worker has a role to do, whether they're a laying a foundation or they're a carpenter or a plumber or a roofer or whatever it is, and you can't get ahead of the other one. What if they came out and they poured the foundation, the footings, before the plumber got everything ready, and now you have no pipes, you have no plumbing because they poured the concrete too quick, and the worker got his role out of, out of place there. And so every worker has a place and a job to do and a time to do it. Or you look at an athletic team. Suppose the guys on the line say, I'm tired of the quarterback getting all the glory. I'm tired of blocking for him. Well, someone's going to break his legs in because he's not going to have any protection, you see. And so the guys on the line, while it may not be a glamorous job, they've got a job to do. And so regardless of what field it is, that all of us have to be workers. When I was a kid growing up, and some of you my age may have seen this if you lived in a, in a country setting, which we did in central Indiana, but we would go to these little, little county fairs and fish fries. And where I went to school, at Cartersburg Elementary School every year before school started, kind of in the middle of summer, I guess, they had this big fish fry as a fundraiser for the fire department and have all kinds of games and stuff. And one of the exciting things, kids, if you just imagine how exciting this would be, my dad always wanted to go see it, was when they had the horse pull. And they would take a couple, they would take teams of horses and they would have sleds and put concrete blocks on them and have a contest to see which horse could pull the most weight. And that sounded exciting, don't you? You missed out on seeing something just... The kids down here can hardly contain themselves. Daddy, take me to a horse. I don't even know if they do that anymore or not. But I, I remember, anybody ever seen that just out of curiosity? No one? I am not making this. Some of you old timers have never seen a horse pole. Well, I, maybe that's indigenous to central Indiana. I don't know. But they actually did that at fairs. Well, I was reading a story when I was working on this lesson. About in 1886, by the way, I don't go back that far, okay? But Nevada had a state fair, and they used mules to do their pulls. And so they wanted to see how much each mule could pull, and the first place winner won by pulling 14,000 pounds, and the second place mule pulled 13,000 pounds. And so they decided they wonder if you put both those mules together, how much they could pull, they ought to be able to pull 27,000 pounds. And so they pulled them, put them both together, and they pulled 35,000 pounds. <clears throat> for people who have never seen any of that, I've gone a long way around for that story. I'm going to get some new illustrations here. Oh, Brother Welliver. But my point is teamwork. <laughs> my point is working together, and you can do more. You can accomplish more 
when you're working together than one person can do by themselves. We are to be workers together with God. A team must work together and we must be workers together. So Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 3, I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he who plants anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. That is being a worker together. Each one had a role. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 2, Paul said, Fulfill my joy and be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. That is working together as one. What Jesus said to the Pharisees long ago in Matthew 12 and verse 15 is true. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And so we work together, we pull together, we share together, we help one another, we lift one another up. Each one must do his share, fulfill his role and his responsibility and do the work he's signed to do. Whether it's the elders or the deacons or the preachers, they make a difference. We all have a work that God wants us to do. In the early church, we see multiple workers in the church. In Acts chapter 13, it says the church at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I've called them. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid, hold, laid hands on them, and they sent them away. And so look at that, one, two, three, four, five people that are identified as prophets or teachers that were workers in the Lord's church. Now, we know that it was Jesus' uh, custom that was he sent his disciples out to send them out in twos and send them out in pairs. You know, you can learn a lot sometimes just by looking at the biblical pattern of how work was accomplished. For a long time, I think we kind of got away from that, and I've known of some evangelistic situations where you'd send one guy and his family into a hard area and they're there all by themselves, and we've learned a little better from that. And so now many times, and I know for a while it took churches a, a while, and elders get used to say, why are we supporting two guys to go into this field? Well, it makes a lot of sense. They need each other to encourage each other and help each other. There's a lot of work to do. I've known of churches that actually started maybe with two or three workers or families and they would go in together and they would plant a church and get it started. There's 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 wisdom in multiple workers. Many churches today have a two preacher type of arrangement. Some even have three preachers or even four preachers, depending upon the size of the congregation. And so the idea of multiple workers, and we see that occasionally throughout the book of Acts. Well, how about Ken and Ben? You knew where I was going with this, didn't you? Ben's going to be here next week. He and his family are moving, and we're going to begin a new chapter in the church family here at West Main. I'm, I'm so excited about his arrival. I had known of Ben through the years and known of his good reputation and Really, had just in uh, recent months uh, met Ben and his wife and little boy, and 
So I just know he's going to be a great asset. He's going to be a wonderful worker and a partner with all of us in the work together. He and I are going to be working together for the next three months. And so he'll be here next Sunday, uh, Lord willing, and preach forth both services. And then March, April, and May, then he and I will be working together. We already have a division of preaching duties and teaching responsibilities. And I just wanted to say something about this because I want us all to feel comfortable with this arrangement. And I have, I have noticed a little bit as people have talked about it and everybody is so kind and, and so nice about that and a little bit uncomfortable maybe of talking to me about it and how I feel about it. Well, I'm excited about it. It's a path that I have chosen and I believe it's a good way for Ben to settle in. And by the way, the elders asked me in the very beginning, we began to talk about my transition this work, if I would feel comfortable with whoever was hired, even before it was Ben, of someone coming in before I left. And I said, I'd welcome it. And I've worked in two preacher arrangements before, and, and uh, I'm glad to have these three months of us working together. It's going to be a good thing, and it's going to be a good way for this church to move into the next phase of the work that is going to be accomplished here. You know, as I say, sometimes people are kind of uncomfortable with that and wonder, you know, someone says, well, you know, how do you feel about Ben taking your place? Well, Ben's not taking my place. Ben's going to have his own place. He's his own man. He's going to do his own work, uh, his own personality and his own method of preaching and his own style. Sometimes I have been in meetings, either where, the, uh, where I'm holding a meeting where I'm the local preacher and someone comes out and they compliment the meeting preacher and then they feel funny because the local preacher's standing there like, oh, I better compliment him too. Don't worry about that sort of thing. Certainly not with me and I'm sure not with Ben either. That we don't wear our feelings on our sleeve. That, that each one of us, we're not, we're not in competition with one another. We're, we're not rivals, we're partners. We're not competitors, we're fellow laborers. As Dee Bowman often says, there are no big preachers and no little preachers in the kingdom of God. There's just preachers. And that's true of Christians. There's no little Christians and there's no big Christians. There's just Christians. We all have a role and a work and a responsibility and a part to play and a work to do. And so we will be workers together with God. And if we're to be successful, then we must work together. And we must follow the leadership of our shepherds. God has designated that men that feed and guard and and watch over the flock, protect the flock, be the shepherds that provide that, that spiritual maturity and that wisdom to be able to provide spiritual sustenance and to oversee and to, to delegate. And we're, we're blessed here at West Maine to have three such men. We are workers together. Together. But then the third part of that equation is with God. You see, God directs the work. And Every enterprise, there must be someone at the top directing everything. If it's a construction crew, then you have a foreman on the crew, but then you have someone that owns the company. If it's a coach and players in a college, they answer to the athletic director or to the president of the university. If it's soldiers, and even they answer to a chain of command up to a general, but they ultimately answer to the commander-in-chief, who is our president. Well, we all answer to God, don't we? 
the elders answer to God. You think about that. In fact, the Hebrew writer talks about souls entrusted to the shepherds and that they must give an account. But all of us give an account. The deacons give an account for their work and the preachers must give an account and teachers and all of us, 2 Corinthians 5.10, all of us are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of the deeds done in the body whether they're good or evil. So we're all accountable. We're all workers together with him, and we are partners in a divinely appointed and approved mission as we work the spiritual work. Not a human work, not a carnal work, not of human origin, doesn't have human goals, nor are we seeking human results. The church is not my church. It's the Lord's church. The team is not my team, but it's God's team. The work is not my work, but it's the Lord's work. And so in a sense that we are actually teammates with God, or as Paul put it in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, we are God's fellow workers. In Romans 16 and verse 13, he says to greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. And so we must never lose sight that we're on a spiritual mission and that we're out to achieve godly goals. Workers together with God. And the great thing about it is, is we all come together to be workers together with God that we bring to the table all kinds of different skills, don't we? We've talked in the past from 1 Peter 4 about the different gifts that we have. And they're all given to us by the grace of God. And so everyone here has some kind of a gift, talent, skill, or ability that by God's grace you're able to use. And as Ben comes in next week, he and his family, they're, they're going to bring a different skill set. I mean, they're, they're going to bring in a different background than I have. They're going to bring different experiences, a different personality that, than, than we have. And they're going to bring a different set of skills and abilities that maybe no one else here has. It's going to be unique. And we're going to be workers together with God to be able to accomplish the wonderful things that God has in store. And you know, in three months, when we load up and we head to Canada, <laughs> we're still going to be workers together with God, aren't we? See, because the work is bigger than just West Maine. And it's bigger than the work I moved from in Kansas City or the work down in Tampa, Florida or the work in Ontario, Canada or the work in London, England. You see, I mean, we, we could go across the globe and we could think about that we're all a part of God's family universally and in that great sense are we not workers together with god we may be separated by time and space for long but we'll be workers together with god seeking to accomplish the will of god i couldn't help but think of the words by annie flint johnson when she penned christ has no hands but our hands to do his work today and he has no feet but our feet to lead men in the way 
He has no tongue but our tongue to tell men how he died. And he has no help but our help to bring them to his side. There is no plan B to get God's work done. He has entrusted it to men and women and boys and girls in his kingdom to get out and work and get the job done. Well, what's the invitation this morning? Well, the invitation is always 24-7 to come to Christ, obey the gospel, to be a New Testament Christian, to repent and be baptized for the nation of sins. But we're going to sing the song, I want to be a worker. Now, you want to sing with the spirit and the understanding when we sing that song, don't you? And you don't want to lie, do you? When you sing that song. And so as we stand and sing in just a moment, Think about the lyrics to that song. And think about what we've talked about from God's Word this morning. About what it means to be a worker together with God. And so can we sing with fervor and feeling and passion and excitement for the future of this church family of where it's going? I want to be a worker for the Lord. That's the invitation we extend this morning while we stand and sing.